Welcome back to Inspire the Podcast with myself, Nicola Wills. Our guest today is founder of online training empire, Unstoppable Success, and positive psychology coach, Academy Certification. She's an acclaimed international speaker, award-winning positive psychologist, triple certified coach, and best-selling Hay House author. She has more than a decade of experience in business coaching and psychology, and has mentored tens of thousands of coaches to create massive breakthroughs, lasting positive change, and unstoppable success in their lives and businesses. Please welcome Nick Pigeon. Woo! Another Nicola. I love it. I know. Um, first of all, the spelling of your name. Love it. Story behind love. that one as well. Yes, I need the story. So you are a Nicola. I am a Nicola, yes. And I get called, I actually love the name Nicola. I don't know if you know what it means. It means victory for the people. Yeah, and leader. Yeah. So it's like, it's perfect for like helping other people. And I just loved learning that because like the essence of what Nicola means, it's like we get to go out and do like amazing, impactful work to help people. Yeah. And you are absolutely doing that. Now, for anyone that's seen your uh, social media, especially with your Instagram, like for two minutes scrolling, you're like, oh my gosh. But the first thing that I really I notice like- is there's a Geordie living in LA <laughs> in Beverly Hills. So before we go into the massive success that you had, please let's take it back to the very beginning mm-hmm. and where it all began. And someone said that to me the other day as well. They were like, oh, like I saw all of your stuff and I knew I wanted to sign up to work with you. And then I heard your accent and I was like, yes, you're the Geordie. Now I'm definitely doing it. <laughs> and it's Love so it. good. So yeah, I'm from Newcastle upon Tyne in the northeast of England, born and raised. And I've actually just spent a little bit of time with some Geordies um, in, on Vancouver Island, which was so special. There's nothing quite like your people from home to be able to share those yeah. like old stories and stuff. So I was born and raised in Newcastle, had a... Like what I remember being a super happy, normal childhood and upbringing. Um, I've got a younger brother called Luke, who's, God, I'm 36 now. He, so that means he's 34. And I just remember like growing up and like building snowmen and like going and building dens and going fishing with them and stuff and doing all of that sort of like really pure, innocent, fun, yeah. like kid stuff, like screaming to my mum and dad, mom, dad, I'm going out. I'm going to play on the field. Bye. And like running down the street. And then there was no phones or anything back then, was no. there? So yeah. I just like see them at the end of the day. They'd be like, come home when the um, street lights come on. So the street lights would go on. Then me and my brother would go home. And I grew up just being this little kid that was really interested in reading books. I've always been a little geek, little bookworm. Um loved learning at school I remember one of my teachers said something which I like I really hold with me even now he was like Nick made learning cool and I was like well learning is cool (laughs) oh my god that is so cool I mean especially if you're kind of like you know considered kind of geeky then you're like this cool geek that's like everything Mm, I used to actually get bullied for being clever and yeah bullied for being this little nerd and actually when you spoke about the spelling of Nick that came from when I was like 11 or 12 years old and I was bullied 
it's it's so bizarre how like everything integrates when you're you're older and you look back and you can connect the dots because I used to get bullied in PE. So I really used to hate sport and exercise at school because it was where the bullies could get me. Because in the like classroom, it was so structured. And like I say, I was like so like focused on my work that I would just keep my head down. But I used to get bullied in PE because there was no structure. They could kind of, I felt like they could get to me. Yeah. So when I was 11 or 12, back in Newcastle there was this it was a Tuesday morning and I remember saying to my mum like I really don't want to go to school today mum like I don't want to go because I was getting bullied I was like I'm too scared I don't want to go and she was like oh you'll be fine Nicola like just go on and I went through my mum's medicine cabinet and I took all of the medicine that she had in her medicine cabinet and I had a suicide attempt when I was age 11 which is horrifying and looking back like I feel like that was a different person to who I am now but obviously it's our early experiences are fundamental in forming our adult character and the way that we get to live now so I was you remember feeling suicidal or was it just that you just didn't want to go to that class and that was just kind of it was that I didn't want to go to school I was so terrified it wasn't that I was like a depressed or like experiencing depression or anything. I was experiencing severe anxiety, like what I now know as the feeling of anxiety, that like fear. But actually for me at that time, that fear was real because these girls would like get in the playground and they would like fight. There'd be like people in a ring around us. Yeah, and, like I a physical wait, fight. Wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly what used to happen. Girls are horrible, like really horrible. And after that had happened, like I got taken into hostel. I I, like remember my mum calling my dad and being like, Phil, you need to come home, like come home from work now. Because he used to leave and he used to go out to work like super early. And then mum like drove me straight to hospital and I was kept in hospital for a couple of days. And then they pulled me out of the school because the school weren't really, they didn't have the the tools or the resources or they didn't know yeah. how to make it better. So they ended up pulling me out of the school and I was homeschooled for six months while I was trying to get into another school and like got all my work sent home and things and was just so kind of terrified. But at the same time, didn't want to tell anyone what had happened because I was so embarrassed and ashamed of it. So I got put into a new school and my dad at that time, like we didn't grow up with loads of money. My dad made the decision to remortgage the house when I was like 11 or 12 to be able to afford to send me to a private school because I couldn't get into this like normal school. So they were like, what are we going to do with her? And I feel like looking back, like it makes me emotional because it's such a domino effect moment where my dad obviously saw something in this little kid that was like she's going to be able to do something good with this opportunity so my dad like believed in me he Mm. remortgaged the house and he sent me to private school which was like a totally new lease of life for me and I'm like grateful every day he said it's the best and worst thing he's ever done because he said it was the worst thing because I was at the bottom of this pile of people who were more successful their parents had more money and I was like a poor kid in school yeah. But it was the best thing he'd ever done because I took the opportunity and I ran with it. I remember in my maths class, there was literally three of us 
And then in my physics class, there was two of us. It was so tiny. Yeah. So that gave you a lot more space with the teachers and a lot more access to be able to ask questions and learn. But as well as that, one of the best things about going to that school, access to environment, but also just the network. Like the network and some of my earliest mentors are, there's two that it's given me chills thinking about it. Two of my earliest mentors were parents of friends that came through that school and their parents were entrepreneurs. Mine weren't. So I learned so much by just watching and looking at how other people did things. It definitely, definitely made a difference for me. And I think another example, look, another couple of examples that I've had as that kind of effect is I used to have a business where we coached professional athletes on how to transition their skills from sport into business. And we look at what asset or strength professional athletes have, and it's often their network. So it's like looking at the power in that and the relationships that you have and hold in your life. Because then the other example is, you know, when people say like you become like the five people you spend the most time with, it's like, who are the people you're spending the most time with? Are they having like conversations that are creative and that are productive and proactive or are the people in your life kind of negative and they're actually distracting rather than supportive of your goals? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, when you're, and I'm sure that you, from even at such a young age of transitioning schools, like when you're around people that want to learn and want to grow and want to be successful like you were, you know, and in a wrong environment, you're bullied for that. And in the right environment, you're celebrated mm-hmm. and you're like encouraged. And, you know, that, and I'm sure as well, the kind of American to English (laughs) type, you know, in England, I don't live in England, you don't live in England, but in England, you know, I remember the beginning and growing of my business. It was just like people, even my friends could, they want to do everything just to keep me playing small and all the kind of negative, like backstabbing little bitchy comments whereas in America and my American team of business I have they're like yeah you go girl you're amazing let's get the car come on you know so again it's like who you're around and what you see Mm. to be normal becomes your normal yeah it's so fascinating as well I think that there's and it's it's always going to be your job to surround yourself with the right people and some of our students will say like Nick what do I do when I feel like I'm losing friends and in my experience there's been a few times like I remember one um, conversation specifically where I'd gone back to England and I was seeing my friends and they're like oh my god I'm so proud of you this is amazing well done what's next like what goal have you got next and I said oh well I want to make my first million before I'm 30 and this particular friend laughed in my face and she was like haha good luck with that and I felt like hurt first of all (laughs) but you know what it gave me this like certain sense of power and there was some like ferocity and fire that I tapped into within that that I was like just watch me yeah yeah so I think it could go both ways you look at what it is that motivates you is it um support and inspiration and aspiration that motivate you or sometimes it's like fear or it's an away Um, from motivator I don't want that thing to happen so I'm going to work harder and get away from it 
or it could be this type of thing where it's like it was almost like approving it was yeah, like just kind. watch me that is my motivator <laughs> when people are like oh you know you're just a dancer Nicola or people like you don't do this I mean it's literally the fuel to my vision and determination bring right. it on say it to me more because it fires me up like don't underestimate the wills what I used to say to people and my mum would be like oh, so funny and I'd be like just watch mum <laughs> just watch you know and it's true it's like using that negativity I'm such a negative I love a negative driver over a positive driver I mean I love the vision in the house and you know but the the like the thing that really gets you going is like what you're just saying that just you watch me yeah oh it's giving me chills like <laughs> just the energy of it it's so good so, just, uh, so let's just for example say someone's listening to this you know we are kind of you know really within our journey but let's say you've got there's what? a mum at home and she's I, listening to this and she's surrounded by her mum friends and they're not really she knows that she doesn't want to be the average of the five people that she you know of those five people she loves them but you know it's like uh-huh. where could where and how do people get themselves amongst those type of people where does that start what kind of advice would you give someone yeah I think it's like remembering first of all that you have relationships in your life and everyone's gonna have a different role or a different experience it's not that anyone's wrong for the way yeah. for that having an opinion or for their map of the world like often the people that love us the most are just trying to look out for us yeah so like my whole family thought and probably still do think that I'm absolutely crazy because I I like left the UK in 2015 and had these online businesses and nothing was working and I remember my dad and my brother just saying Nick like you can't be an entrepreneur you need to go home you need to just like get a job have safety and security but I knew actually the biggest safety and security was when you bet on yourself and you trust yourself so I think the first thing is really listening to that feeling inside of like if you have a dream or if you have a desire if you know inside of you that you're ready for more and you're ready for a bigger life then trust that feeling Mm -hmm. and know that when you do trust it like everything's going to be able to flow from there and the people in my life that have said you're wrong or you're crazy have always come back around later on and they feel like Nick I'm sorry for doubting you or Nick, I'm so proud of you. Or the friend that said that I couldn't make a million before I was 30. First of all, I did. Secondly, she then came back to me and she said, I wish I could do what you do. Like I've realized that I didn't look after my own desires and goals. And now I kind of have a sense of regret. So it's just trusting that you've got to, you're the only person that can make choices for you in your life. And if you allow other people to influence your choices and not go after your dreams and goals you might be the person that looks back and says oh like yeah. I wish I had a follow my heart at that time yeah so aligning with people who are supportive who do cheerlead you on and there's people in your life like that you just might not be intentionally investing time with them right now so I always ask myself like who is it that's there for me no matter what who is it that I can have a really honest conversation with when things are going bad and that person will make me feel better? Who is it that when I'm posting on social media, that they're, they're always the person that's like, yeah, Nick, like, yeah. go for it. You're doing it. Um, and aligning with those people in your life. 
if you feel like those people are few and far between in your life right now, then how can you get into communities? Because in positive psychology and as humans, one of the things that we need to be able to flourish and thrive is to feel like we have somewhere that we belong and to feel like we have positive relationships in our lives that are supportive for us. So if it's not like at the dinner table in Newcastle or wherever you're from, it maybe it's an online community where you can get into a group of people who are doing good things, who are cheerleading each other. Or maybe it's like getting to a yoga class where people have a positive focus and they're looking after themselves. Yeah. So rather than saying, why is this conversation so negative over here right now? Or why are these people dragging me down? A better question to ask for yourself is, what's one positive community that I can actively intentionally yeah. put myself in and be part of so that I can start to feel better in the conversations that I'm in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, like, you know, when I decided, right, I enough of the life that I'm living, I'm going to change it and transform. I did lose friends and that's also okay. I think some people worry well, that you've got to, you know, stick with these same friends forever and ever and ever. And these are, you know, where I used to be a professional dancer like eventually it got to the point where I was like, I don't even have anything really to say to you anymore. We don't even have anything in common because we had changed and my conversation and my mindset had changed so much. And I love them and I still love them dearly today, but would I say that we're friends anymore? Probably not, but that's also okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's I, okay. I think, yeah, definitely women, <laughs> especially like, you know, I have, don't you, don't you miss them? Don't you think? And it's like, well, my life has changed so much. They, I would love them to be here, but they just don't want to because all they want to talk about is the conversations that we used to talk about. I don't want to talk about that kind of stuff yeah. anymore, you know, and that's such an amazing place to be. But if not, when you're kind of going through that journey, it can feel a bit lonely. I remember I was like 32, like crying, thinking, I've got no friends. But it was like in the transition period of when, you know, I was kind of leaving that old life and stepping into the new life. And it was just like, yeah a moment of what felt like loneliness led mm. to so much because I kind of always created space for that new energy, new friendships, new level of Nicola, basically. I love it. Next level, Nick. Yes, <laughs> that's so good. Right. So we're at the private school. You're loving it. You're thriving. Then what happens? So I went through high school and... I was signed up to be a mechanical and automotive engineer, and that was going to be my career path. Because well, I even done, it's like I wanted to work in Formula One in the pit lane oh. on the cars because I love okay. cars, right? So I was like, how can I do something that I love and also do something that makes a lot of money? And at the time, my goal was to be able to make £30,000 a year because that was like a high salary for a woman. And my dad was saying, well, Nick, you know, like you're intelligent, you can use the maths and physics and you love cars. So why don't you do engineering? So I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. And it's actually really crazy because I'd done my business and business studies and economics A-levels a year early and done really, really well in them. Like literally got like 100% and did the first year of a business and economics university degree in high school. 
and then didn't go on to study business or economics. Okay. So I went and on to study mechanical and automotive engineering because my dad thought that I should. Yeah. So I thought, right, he's right. So I'm going to follow what he wants me to do. So I went through these like university applications and got scholarships to go and study at Newcastle and Loughborough University. And then my boyfriend at the time that I was with for around about 10 years, he was a professional cricket player. So he'd been like captain to England under 21s. He played professionally for many years. And he was like, Nick, how about like after high school, you come to Australia with me for six months in the off season because it's too cold in England. So I'm going to go practice over there. So I ended up deferring these university places for a year, going to Australia with him. And my whole life changed. Yeah. So I, like I said before, hated sport and exercise because it's where I used to get bullied. So I had this really negative association with it. But through, he was actually called Nicky. <laughs> so it was like all the Nicks. So <laughs> he was um, practicing over there. And he was seeing a sports psychologist. He was going to see a personal trainer. I got really into running. And I was starting to get into this world of like goal setting. Like his mm. dad was an entrepreneur. He was one of my earliest mentors. And he'd given me a book when we'd got on the plane. And he'd also put some positive quotes into the passport holder. Right. And I'm like, what is a positive quote? Yeah. Like, and this is like, we're talking 20 years ago now. Yeah. 20 years? 20 years. Oh my god, the 20 years. I'm like, am I that old? I know, I know. I see it's like yesterday, but you're right. Like where nowadays, you know, we see everything on your social media, everything is is positive, is quotes, you know? is that we're flooded with it. But back in the day, it's like we're like old, but there wasn't anything like that. It was uh -huh. never spoken about positivity and even entrepreneur like shit. It was just like not not a thing like I didn't even know what that was totally and it was it, I remember the feeling of reading it and like pulling it out of the passport holder I was sat on the plane in Singapore Airlines and they were bringing us a chicken satay it's bizarre what you remember yeah so I'm like reading this thing and it was um the Henry Ford quote whether you think you can or you think you can't either way you're right yeah and I was like whoa that's so true and so, the first time you hear these things, it's like your whole brain explodes, isn't it? You're like, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I'd gone across to Australia and then Nikki was seeing a sports psychologist and he'd said to him, like he'd come home and he'd been like, Nick, like, listen to this. Like the guy was telling me like, when you're out on the cricket field and you've got the bat in your hand, don't look at the fielders around you. Look for the gap in between them instead and look for where you want the ball to go rather than where you want the ball not to go. So I that was like a landslide moment in my mind because I was like, how many times do we focus on what we don't want? Even if coming back to this conversation of like negative people, like, oh, mm. I don't want to have those conversations, right? Don't tell me what you don't want. Tell me what you do want. Yeah. And then align with what you do want. So I thought, like, what if we looked for opportunities instead of focusing on the problems? So I actually went back to England and I cancelled those mechanical and automotive engineering degrees. And I went on to study 
sport science with psychology. I'd never done psychology in my life. Never taken a psychology class in my life. (laughs) So went on to study psychology with sport science and then did a teaching and lecturing qualification in psychology with a specialism in sport and then went on to do a master's degree in applied positive psychology with a specialism in physical activity. So to go from being this kid who tried to take her own life in PE to be somebody that now has a level of mastery in moving your body to move your mood was a complete 180 because of one conversation that someone said. And I think as well as the, the journey, there's something in the profound simplicity of listening to the conversations that are already happening in your life mm. and looking for the perspective shift within it because that changed my entire career path yeah. from a single conversation. Yeah. Amazing. And also Nikki's dad. I just want to be that type of parent. How amazing. Amazing guy. Literally amazing An guy. Amazing. I actually is in the acknowledgements in my book huh. because of how instrumental he was to yeah. my success. So He'd grown up and he was actually an orphan and he, yeah, he created this whole like crazy, amazing career and he ended up going on to run, you know, the body shop? Yeah, yeah. The little, I used to get them in my stocking, like little yeah. tangerine bubble baths every yeah. year. He I went on to- the thing and the oil would go everywhere. <laughs> yeah, oh, the little um, balls. The like marble things. Yeah, they were amazing. <laughs> I remember them. <laughs> and- she so she went on to run the body shop and like front he was the first person to franchise it from Anita Roddick. He was wildly successful, but she created a pattern for me where I associated kindness and positivity with success. Amazing. I hadn't even known about positive psychology. It was probably another five years later that I found yeah. it. But I learned from him generosity. Like he used to do a lot of things for other people for charity he was very giving for me like I remember he I was going to do a um, Google hangout with Richard Branson and Elon Musk and he'd worked with Richard Branson before through um, the Virgin um, cosmetic franchises so we'd kind of like met him and talked to him and I said I'm doing this call with Richard Branson and Elon Musk can you help me I'm like terrified so he said yeah, Nick, come into, my, come into my office. We'll have a meeting at this time. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I've got a meeting. So I went in and I actually expected him to just tell me what to do. And he sat, he had this big wooden desk with leather on the top and he sat across the other side and he, he said, okay, what do you want to ask me? And I was like, what do I want to ask you? I thought you were just going to tell me what to do. Yeah, <laughs> So it was, it was, I guess, the um, my first experience of mentorship or coaching yeah where it's like, what is the best question you can ask to understand more about how you can get a solution and create a result that you want? So he was amazing and I just learned so much from him and was able to take that energy and take like learning from, I always learn from who people are and what they do as well as what they say. So I think it's like looking at the embodiment of his success and being like, these are the characteristics or the traits that I love about him. He's so generous. He's so kind. He's positive. Like, okay, cool. Success and positivity go together. 
success and kindness go together. So that yeah. was a really positive program for me to have for yeah. my teenage years. That's amazing because I, let's say from my background, it's something that I really had to unlearn. And I guess this kind of just comes from my dad really, but was, you know, we were like, we lived in quite a nice area, but we were like the poorest in the village. And so my dad would always be like, oh, you know, Nicola, they've got money, but we're kind. Like you can't be kind. Or, um, oh, they're just showing off yep. with all of that, you know, all the holidays. <laughs> or, so I associated with money and, and for a long time, it actually took me a while to unlearn the kind of that money success thing was it's like I'm here and if I don't have money, I'm not worthy. And like people with money were always, always above me and probably not very kind. Like it would even be, I remember driving in London through Chelsea, you know, which I just love, like I love Chelsea. I would drive through and like I'd have this feeling of, oh, I've got to get out, I've got to get out because I didn't feel even worthy of driving through the streets of a wealthy area in London. You know, so the fact that you had that is just amazing. Mm. What an amazing start. And so you're not cool, with right? the guy, you're not with Nikki anymore. That was like 10 no. years. No, that was like when I was a kid. And yeah, it's just, it's amazing because it's, it comes back to the simplicity of our own life's experience to be mm. our greatest teachers. And like with like the writing of my books, I've really been a lot more introspective and I've, I've always like seen the story, but now it's like, I have these mind blowing epiphanies. Yeah. I'm like, that person just said that thing or like, I've just seen this and I'm like, whoa it's like we're living and breathing like philosophy and human behavior and there's so much growth in our own experience I think it's also important to acknowledge like through this conversation like I really want everyone who's listening and watching to know that like there's not a right path that there's there's not like a single right path it's what's right for you right now and there's no like making another person's journey right or wrong. It's not that we're saying like you have to do it our way and that's the right way or because you're having these types of conversations, that's right or wrong. It's like, it's what is it that you feel and know is right for you right now? And what do you want for yourself moving forward? And not holding anyone like above us or below us, Easily. knowing sure. that everyone coexists and creates together and we're grateful for all of the experience and the learning and we get to choose and we get to choose again and we get to choose again and we get to create and carve these lives for ourselves that feel right for us amen yes love it so you're university for a long time what university did you go to I went to Northumbria University for the first um, Mm -hmm. qualification then University of Leeds for the second and then the University of East London for the third. Yeah. And so was it in the third part in that in East London where you really were like, I'm going to the positivity psychology? Was that kind of where it really honed in? Yeah. So through, I mean, when you do psychology as an undergrad degree, you do the full spectrum. So you're looking at develop, developmental psychology, which is like in your formative first couple of years, how does that, those experience, how did they influence your psychology? And you're looking at like the statistics. So there's a, there is a lot of maths and psychology as okay. well. 
you're looking at, for me, I was doing the sport and the performance side of things. So I was doing the biomechanics. But the thing that really got me interested was more of the performance side of things. So it was this, like, how can we be our best? And I was a personal trainer as well at the time. This is crazy, like how much I got yes. in, in exercise. And now it's like a, a non-negotiable. It's like I have to have it to feel like I can get through the day. So yeah. it's like you can re-pattern things that have felt like they're holding you back. For yeah. example, public speaking. I used to be terrified of it. Now it's my favorite thing. So you can get over these things and create an o- another version of your story just through training your mind. And I started to learn that through the sports science. And then in that undergrad degree, I remember walking down the corridor in Northumbria University and seeing this sign on a notice board where there was a guest expert lecture after school, like the following week. I was like, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. I'm going to go to that. So I stayed after class this night and went to see this guest expert lecturer and she was teaching positive psychology and it literally blew my mind because it was teaching about gratitude. People make fun of me now and they, they don't just make fun of me. They actually are very supportive and celebratory. Like on my birthday, my friend Spencer sent me a voice note. He was like, you are literally the queen of gratitude. I love you so much. Like, thank you for always seeing the best and being so appreciative, Nick. Um, and then my brother makes fun of me because... He says, like, he burst out laughing one day. He picked me up from the airport in Newcastle when I'd gone home. I got in the car with him and we're just chatting away. And I was like, oh, I'm so grateful. Oh, I'm so happy that I'm seeing you. I'm so grateful we get this time together. And he burst out laughing. He went, Nick, I was literally timing you to see how long it would take you to drop the G-bomb. He called it dropping, dropping G-bombs. He's like, I'm so grateful. And I'm like, well, you know what? Like, it's a good thing to be. It's, it yeah. helps us feel better more of the time. And this lecture was teaching about the power of gratitude. And I really felt it in my body. I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Like, it's making me feel so good. I want to explore that more. Mm-hmm. So at the time, I was finding so much gratitude through friendship. Like, I always say I've got the best relationship in the world. Like, I love my people. And I was just finding this real um, joy in the gratitude and appreciation of that. So I ended up doing my thesis in university about sport-related gratitude and subsequent well-being. So it was looking at if we're in, let's say, like a coaching relationship or you've got a personal trainer, like how does the gratitude for that person in your life or the process of exercising and move your body, gratitude for your healthy body, gratitude for making progress. How does that influence your well-being? Then I signed up to do the master's degree and I couldn't afford to do the master's degree, right? It was like, it was something like £9,000 a year. And I was working as a personal trainer and I was getting paid £6.35 an hour. (laughs) But I knew I wanted to do it and I knew that I would make it happen. So I've always been that person that like jumps before it makes sense, (laughs) kind of like figures it out afterwards. So I was struggling, right? I was working as a personal trainer. I was working as a promotions girl. I had like, I was working 40 hours a week through my university studies to be able to pay my way through university and then sign up for this master's degree. 
So I remember I would get up in the morning, I'd go to the gym to unlock it at like six in the morning. I would train clients. I'd then have a break in the middle of the day. I'd drive to university, I'd study all day, and then I'd be back to do a split shift at the gym, lock it up. And then I'd go to a nightclub and I'd be doing like the VIP guest list or something or working on like the tills so that I could afford to do the things that I wanted to do. And the things that I wanted to do was study and learn about the science so that I could help people and make an impact in the world. And that was just killing me because it was exhausting. I was working like three or four jobs doing my best. And then I ended up taking an opportunity to work with my friend's dad across in the Netherlands where there was probably 20 of us that went across there and we were doing like a gold brokerage role, which was completely wasn't any sort of expertise that I had but it was a really well-paid job and we used to drive and do meetings all through like the Netherlands Belgium and Germany and it helped me make enough money to be able to afford to pay for my master's degree so I lived and worked in Amsterdam for I think like one or two years and I flew to London once a month to do three days of intensive study to learn positive psychology and get my master's degree. And then I'd fly back to Amsterdam where I was living and I'd literally sit and work and I'd be doing all of my work in the morning before I started work, going to work a full day. And then I'd come back and I'd be studying and writing my dissertation at night. So it's like when you want something and you're so clear that you want something, you will do whatever it takes to get the thing that you want. Just love it. And I just love that, like, you know, nothing was handed to you, you know, that that money that you had to graft for yourself. And, you know, I think people obviously looking at you where you are now and just how perfect and polished and everything is, you would never have yeah. thought that of you, you know? And I just think the people that are the most successful and like nine times out of 10 have like fought to get there. Sure. And that's why they're such amazing coaches and teachers and mentors because they have been where you were. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's the exact yeah, exactly. there's still an hey. element of needing to to fight. I think like there's something that you get from being brought up in Newcastle where like you've got to be gritty, you've got to be resilient. Yeah. And it's like there's no other option other than to create success because I will not give up. It's yeah. like I always say the only way that you'll fail is if you quit and I'm not willing to quit. So it's like, yeah. well, what are you going to do? The only way out is through. So you might as well keep going. So I've like learned through practice and testing and trying things and trying to figure it out and doing a lot of stuff wrong, to be honest. Like, I don't want to sugarcoat it. It's not an easy journey. That's why most people aren't entrepreneurs. And even now, like I live in this, there's a certain degree of sacrifice when it comes to working towards and reaching your goals. Yeah. And I have this massive vision of being able to impact a billion people on the planet through positive psychology by certifying 10,000 positive psychology coaches who then help a thousand clients. And then the ripple effect that goes outwards when they help a hundred people, that's a billion people. Now, for me to be able to do that, like I knew, for example, one of the things that felt aligned for me for my mission and my impact was to live in LA. Yeah. But what does that mean? It means I have to sacrifice time with my family. And it was amazing this weekend. Like I got to go to see friends in from Newcastle 
that I've known for 23 years who've moved to Canada and I was in Canada for the uh, World Congress for Positive Psychology. So I got to go and see them for 24 hours. I'm like, this is so amazing. It like yeah. fills me up with so much love and I got to hug the kids and it's just like, oh, it was so good. And there was a certain like energy of the acknowledgement of, oh, like I've actually sacrificed so much yeah. connection to travel the world continually on my own. And you mentioned yeah. loneliness before. It's like that is actually an epidemic for people. Yeah. When we look at what happened through the pandemic, it's like actually this thing that we've been left with is this residual sense of like isolation or loneliness or the impact of that. But the positive thing, like I actually think that COVID was such a gift because it's helped us to understand the importance of mental health, the importance yeah. of connection, the importance of having practices within our life that are affirming and help us feel better more of the time. And I honestly don't think that the world would have realized that if it wasn't for the pandemic. Yeah, I completely agree. Because I remember even in my 20s, like if someone was like, oh, you know, I think he's a bit depressed, it would be like, oh my God, like, like just like whispers under the carpet and like how embarrassing, like Sorry? that's an embarrassing thing to be, you know, whereas now it's like, it's not even about being depressed, it's about mental health just as much as I go to this gym to get my yeah. bum nice and toned and lifted. I oh, yeah. read my books, I check in on myself to keep my brain in a, in a good, healthy space. And yeah, it's it was that like stripping away everything to, do, to just sit with yourself in lockdown to be like, what what is, what am I doing? Yeah. What is this life? Who am I? 100% and it's so... It's interesting because the research in positive psychology, there's a big foundational theory that it's it's called the happiness pie and it looks at 50% of your happiness is genetic, only 10% um. is down to your circumstances and 40% is within your control. But there's actually new research that's showing that environment does impact the way that we feel. So the yeah. more like greenery and the more green spaces we can be in, the more nature we can surround ourselves by. Like there's a lot sh that's um, showed now, like the way that you set up your day or your rituals and the environment that you create is actually conducive to your experience, your well-being, and your success. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I don't even need to be a scientist of any tool. I just know that I feel better. I mean, I always think it's because I'm a Pisces, but I feel but better <laughs> when I can see the ocean. I can Real. like... I have to live near the ocean. You know, people live here in the center of center of Beath, and I'm like, I just couldn't. That's not for me. I have to see it because it's just that connection. Hundred percent. No, it's so, it's so true because it's so good for your body as well. It's like yeah. very healing. I remember we were doing a retreat in Italy, and one of my team and I had gone to check out the retreat resort. And she was like, right, we need to do some photos for social media. And I said, I'm going in the ocean first. <laughs> I was like, leave me alone. I need to go and swim and then I'll do yeah. my photos. It's like yeah, just yeah, that yeah. feeling of like, what is it that you need that gives you that sense of like peace and groundedness yeah. in your life? Yeah, absolutely. So I would love for you to explain to me in layman's terms, because I'm going to be completely honest. So I have a degree. My degree is in musical theatre, singing, dancing and acting. So that's what, that, 
But I would say that I'm a very, very positive person. I've done the personal development books, but I have never heard of a degree or that you could study positive psychology. Like I'm seriously, like I feel so inspired by what you have studied. I'm like, I feel like that's something that I could 100% go and and study. So just tell me about it. To the the person that doesn't know anything about it, what actually is positive psychology? So it is the scientific study of happiness. And we look at what it is that helps people and businesses and communities to thrive. So it's pretty new. It was founded in the year 2000. And we had like traditionally psychology as usual. So we, we had like a body of work that looked at disorder and disease and what goes wrong with people and kind of unpacking that. But we didn't have anything that looks at what goes right with people. So this yeah. new science was kind of like invented and it's not new stuff in terms of gratitude's not new. But what yeah. is new is we started to study it and we started to look at yeah, how does it work? Why does it work? What tools or interventions or exercises work to help people feel better more of the time? So yeah. positive psychology is the scientific study of happiness. And it looks at what we can do in our day to help us feel better. And it's like okay. the best thing to be involved in because it helps you feel yeah. better when you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, because once you know these things you can't not know them right so it's like you're giving yourself the tools and because you're studying it it's not like you read it once in a book it's ingrained in the being of who you are yeah i say it's like a way of life and it's once you are part of it you embody it and then you're able to just think differently you're able to make different choices it it really is amazing and i think you make such a good point it's like positive psychology it sounds so like hardcore and scientific but actually all it is is like how can you feel happier more of the time yeah yeah and would you say that if someone's listening to this and they you know it sounds amazing the first thing that they could probably do would would be gratitude to start looking at what the what things maybe their life isn't what they want it to be they're not the weight that they want to be. You know, it's just life's not kind of where they, they've never done any personal development. Would you say to to look at the things that they are grateful for and start writing them down to have that switch from this is not good, this is not good to actually these things are good? Yeah. And actually, it's the first chapter in the book for that reason. Like it gives you such a simple positive shift. So there's a couple of tools that have been tested one of them is three good things. You've probably heard this, like what's three, what are three things you're grateful for right now? Mm-hmm. Now, I actually yeah. love doing that with a friend or with like one of our team. So we'll go in like WhatsApp and I'll be like, right, okay, tell me something you're grateful for. And then my friend will be like, oh, I'm grateful for this moment that I had with my daughter. And then I'll say something and then we both go back and forwards and it turns into this gratitude rampage. And then we're both in tears and I'm like, I'm just grateful for gratitude. (laughs) But it's actually true and it actually works. So that's one thing that you can do. And it's really fun. Like I'm like, I feel good even thinking about it. Gratitude rampage. I think that's, you need to coin that phrase. Gratitude rampage. It's amazing. Yeah, it's so good. It's like, it's like, whoa, now I'm having the best day ever. 
And the thing with positive psychology tools is they're simple to start. So it's an easy yeah. thing to do. You've just got to do it. The other yeah. tool which I love for gratitude is a gratitude letter. So write a letter to someone that you've never properly thanked. So it could be, for example, my ex-partner's dad, like writing yeah. that letter. You don't even have to deliver it. But the yeah. process of taking 20 minutes or however long to write it connects you with your heart and it creates a shift in your well-being for up to a month. I can, I feel emotional. Look at my eyes going. I feel emotional just thinking about the amount of people that I would be able to write that letter to. Like, so special, right? It's so special. I've got literally chills. Oh my God. What an amazing, ama- and it, it's, the thing is, it's, it's so simple. Like you don't need to go to university yeah. to be able to, you know, do that. Like that is just something that every single person mm. could do. Yeah, Love. exactly. And what's the third thing? Well, there's loads of gratitude interventions. So there's like three good things. There's yep. the gratitude letter. And I think with positive psychology, you want to look at what are the things that you can integrate through your day. So yeah. for example, you could practice gratitude. I do it every morning as soon as I wake up. I say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for this day. I am grateful in every possible way. And then before I go to bed, the last thought that I have is thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm like, like you can even have gratitude for objects. It's like, I'm so grateful for this chair supporting me right now. That's making me really comfortable. And the mindfulness in that, like how often do you think about your chair? You don't really think about your chair a lot, do you? It's like, I'm so grateful for like the window outside that I can see the blue skies and palm trees. Like I'm so grateful for you, Nicola, because you invited me to come on the show and have this conversation and it brought me so much joy. And I feel like we have a connection and a friendship now that gets to be something beautiful in the future. So like when you look at it, it's all around. It's already here. The happiness isn't something that's a destination. Like, oh when I find it next year it's like it's right here right now you've just got to put your attention on it yeah oh god I literally just feel like I'm floating I discovered discovered gratitude my first kind of real deep dive into it I think was when I read The Magic by Rhonda Byrne yeah love it and I used to um, go on the tube into London in and out doing my auditions and stuff and I remember reading it and like really practicing it. And I think I had my gratitude rock that I'd have in my pocket and I'd hold it thinking, I'm so grateful that this audition is going to go amazing or this meeting is going to go amazing. And and the the cell the cellular shift in my body, I can even feel that it was it literally felt like I was <laughs> rising <laughs> off of the chair and I could see everybody else on the tube. And, you know, obviously typically, you know, everyone's like hunched over. They're like feeling down, they're tired. And there I was like rising. It was like, it was, it literally is the magic. It is mm. the magic of, of life. And, and I always say to people whenever they're starting their business with me, like yeah. the one thing that you could do to change your life is, is gratitude. So I just love that. 100%. That's even taught in universities. Like that's the first thing. That's cool, right? It's Absolutely really cool. Absolutely amazing. And I'm just think- fascinated. It wasn't cool when I started it. Like I started this journey, what, like 15 years ago? 
Yeah. And it was amazing because last week, the, you know, I said that I went to that after school lecture and I saw this thing yeah. on the notice board. I got to see that lecturer this weekend and say thank you. And that gratitude, that moment, like she had tears, yeah. I had tears. And it came full circle after 15 years of practicing this science to be able to say wow. you're the reason that I do this. So yeah. it was really, really special. But when I started, it was weird. People wouldn't yeah. be having this conversation. They were like, why are you doing that at university? Like, that's not going to be useful. You can't have a career in that. And I just knew I was like, do you know what? I love it. Leave me alone. Everyone on the degree was like in their 50s. I was like super young, early 20s, just going and just doing it and just making it happen yeah. and making it work and just trusting that this thing that I felt inside, this intuition would pay off, whether it was now yeah. or like in 20 years time. And it has because now it's mainstream. Now like Gwyneth Paltrow's group, they're like, Nick, can you come and write another thing for us about positive psychology? Forbes is like, how do you use positive psychology in business, Nick? So people now understand yeah. and get it. So if you're doing something in your life that people don't understand yet, but you feel like it's the right thing for you, yep. you have to trust that. Yeah, you were fully guided to be and be on that course. And so you completed the course, you left university. And how old are you at this point? 400 years old. <laughs> I feel like I've lived a million lives. <laughs> So when I left university, I would have been, let me think, like 24, 25. Okay. So you're set up. And then what do you go and do? Because I guess there's no like, there's no like career. It's not like you're a vet or you're a doctor where then mm -hmm. you go into that career path of what you're, you know, you've been studying. What did you do? So when I was in Amsterdam and I was studying for my master's I'd read a book on my lunch break at work called the four-hour work week by oh Tim Ferriss. Good right that's why I set up the first online business that I set up was from reading that book and learning about passive income so I was like what can I do that I know and I love and I was so into health and fitness I ended up uh, researching this green juice powder product, like a supplement that I imported from America to England and I sold online as like a passive income product. And I still take that product now because I really did do my research and it really is the best. It's literally in my freezer. Um, so I started to sell that. And I remember the first time that I saw a 37 or a 39 pound sale come in and I wasn't working hard to do it yeah. I was like whoa this is crazy so I had that supplements company I was still a personal trainer and I'd started doing my own events in my local library in my local coffee shop where I was terrified but I'd show up and I'd teach positive psychology and I'd teach like what I was learning from business and marketing um which was very scary and yeah. there's many times where I was like embarrassed like embarrassed because not many people t showed up. Yeah. But you know what? I just kept doing it and I kept pushing myself outside of my comfort zone and doing these events. And I'd make a little bit of money one month and then I'd make no money the next month. And I was on this roller coaster of trying to make it work, but not seeing it really work. But yeah. I just knew, I was like, I love speaking. I want to do these events. I want to be on stages. I want to teach. And people, again, were telling me that I couldn't do it. They were like, 
the best thing you can do now is take the supplement and scale the supplement because it's passive. It doesn't have to be you. Well, yeah. And I was like, but yeah, what about my mission? And what about yeah. like my love for this work? Like they were like, yeah, you'll only ever make 75,000. Did you ever have anyone that you looked up that you looked up to? Like, you know, you're Tony Robbins or that kind of, you know, person. We're like, you'd seen them or you'd seen them on the internet and be like, oh, I want to do that. I don't think I knew Tony back then. Um, yeah. I knew some other speakers that I'd kind of seen doing things in Newcastle and I'd always loved reading books. Okay. So I'd found the Hay House books and I think the first kind of spiritual or personal development book that I read was The Divine Matrix by Greg Braden which is all about oh, like time doesn't exist. And it's like extreme. I was like, yes, I get it. And I was like a kid. I was like, I, again, this. I, I remember going to the self-help because it was called self-help, mm. the self-help section yeah. in the bookstore no. and being like, I hope no one sees me here. Yeah. Because yeah, it was like, think that you need help. Yeah, there's, some, <laughs> there's something wrong with me because I'm doing personal development. You know? But I'd get all these books and I'd like buy Louise Hay's book, like You Can Heal Your Life, which... Oh my God. That book has sold 35 million copies. Like she is a legend. And yeah. I feel like I really like look up to and looked up to her as this like leader of Hay House. I mean, she started Hay House when she was like 61 or something like that. It's like crazy. She's such a legend. Me. So looked up to the people that were writing this book. And I still do look up to the that they're like my real heroes, the researchers, the people that are sat in labs studying this stuff for decades of yeah. their lives to bring the research forward so that we can take it and use it in our lives. Like they're the heroes and the role models for me. And then I think the whole stage thing, it's like an energy. It's like yeah. when you tune into what you're really supposed to be doing on this planet, I know that writing books and speaking on stages is it for me. It's like, that's yeah. what I was born to do. I've got this message that comes through me. It's not necessarily me, but I know that it's mm -hmm. like the the thing that I'm here to share. I can't not do it. Like I felt yeah. physically sick when that guy was like, oh, you just need to be, you need to get a, a wholesale, a buy a warehouse, get a warehouse, sell supplements. And maybe I would have made hundreds of millions of dollars doing yeah. that, but I wouldn't have felt fulfilled. So yeah. I had to go with the thing that was feeling like it was fulfilling and purposeful for me. And he was like, you'll never make more than $75,000 as a speaker. And now I literally make more than $75,000 in a matter of seconds on stages. And I'm like, but, um, you've got to so trust what's right for you and what's meant yeah. for you. And don't listen to other people's maps of the world. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, you said that you were, kind of, you were scared of public speaking and scared of speaking. When you're so passionate about something, you can't, it's like it pours out of you without you even trying. So being on stage is the perfect place to deliver the message because people are there. It's not like, oh, I want to be a public speaker. It's like, I want to deliver my message and mm -hmm. this is the stage to do it on. Exactly. Exactly. Love. So we're in our 20s and you've got this online business. You're making passive income, which I just love that book, The 4-Hour Work Week, changed my life. Um, incredible if you haven't listened to it and you're listening to this podcast go and get it because it's 
it's eye-opening from everything that we're ever taught by our parents or school or, well, you know, that hard work, grinding every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You've got to do that. Otherwise, you're not going to be successful. It was an element of that to a point. And then <laughs> you need to implement the four-hour work week. So, Nick, what happened next? How did you get to LA? And tell me about, this is something, listen to this, everyone. The Extraordinary Ability <laughs> Visa. I mean, <laughs> who even knew that there was something on this planet, let alone in America, that that existed. So tell me, how how did it all happen? Do you know what's so funny about that visa as well? It's actually called the Alien of Extraordinary Ability Visa. <laughs> you're actually an alien. You're so alien. special, the alien. Yeah, you know that Phil Collins song? I'm I'm an alien. I'm an in- illegal I'm an alien. alien. I'm an Englishman in-, yeah. in New York. That's it. It's like an alien in this like place. So I had I knew that I wanted to write a book when I came out of university, but I yeah. wanted to write a textbook because I was like the geek. I was like, oh, cool! Yeah. I can take these positive psychology tools and I can teach them. Would have been so boring. Then I had like a whole kind of realization like big life experience I had this thing where I was like oh like I don't have a story like there's nothing interesting about me and then I realized like oh I actually do have a story and in 2014 I went through a lot of deep healing work because I started having flashbacks and I remembered that I'd been raped now I went through that age, I think it was like age 25 and I had just repressed it. So it's like a type of PTSD, it's called rape trauma syndrome. You can repress the memory and then it kind of represents. And I was having these nightmares and these like hallucinations and flashbacks. So I'd gone through this very kind of intellectualizing of positive psychology and using it when you're feeling good and applying the tools from to go from good to great now I had this experience of like everything feels like it's going wrong and my whole reality has been shattered and I'm terrified does positive psychology work now too so I was using movement I was using meditation I was really really going through it to the point where I remember this one night waking up from like this nightmare that was terrifying and feeling like I was welded to my bed. I couldn't even move because I was so terrified. And when you're in that place, it's like your whole world closes in. And I was struggling to think about how I would get through the next hour, let alone think about setting goals and building a business. So I've had this real kind of polarizing, like vast experience in my life of having like high highs, but having really low lows as well. So I'd gone through all of that healing work and started to feel better, started to feel like there was a light at the end of the tunnel, started to okay. feel like I would feel better more of the time. And I'd been working, like for me, there's never been a place where I can be like, oh, I'm just like not going to work. I'm going to focus on myself. Like I was still having to run my little business. I was still having to show mm. up and train people in the gym and be positive when I didn't feel positive on the inside. Yeah. So I'd gone through that experience and I was um, like really working to support myself both on the inside as well as in my life. 
people in Newcastle nominated me for an award and I ended up winning this award called the Breakthrough Barriers Award. And uh-huh. I didn't think I would win anything, but I went, I was like, oh, I'll go along to this award ceremony and I'll support everyone. My dad had just been through a triple heart bypass and heart valve replacement that had brought us so much closer together. And I was got to make me emotional, like saying this, but I remember at that award ceremony, it was the first time that I'd, maybe not the first time he'd said it, but the first time that I had heard my dad say that he was proud of me. So I was like, it was very emotional because he just survived this heart thing and brought us close together. And I said, dad, do you want to come as my plus one to this award ceremony? So he'd come and he was sat in the audience and I, I won the award. And then not only did I win the Breakthrough Barriers Award, but I won the overall Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. And I, it wasn't even on my radar that it was a thing, but all of these people in Newcastle had nominated me because they were like, she's doing something good. And having that affirmation and that support gave me so much confidence because it was like, maybe I can do it. Like maybe I can, people believe in me. Maybe I can do it. I'm going to keep on going. So I kept on going and I decided to write the book, but now I had this whole personal story to integrate into yeah. the science. And I knew I wanted to write for Hay House and they had a writer's workshop competition. So that like, I'm going to enter that competition. So I entered it in England and then I decided I was going to go to Australia to write the book or write the proposal for it. So I took three months, I sold my car, I left the UK took my little suitcase and I went and stayed with a friend in Australia for three months while I was working on this book proposal. And I knew that I wanted to be a Hay House author so much that I actually entered the Australian Writers Workshop competition (laughs) as well as the UK one. So I was like, now I've got two chances to win. And (laughs) I remember to this day, the day that they were announcing the English one, because that one was first, and I was sat in my friend's living room and I got the email and it was like, congratulations. And I called the office. I was like, oh my God. I was like screaming down the phone. I'd like visualized it so much. I'd, I was literally, it, I, I was telling myself, I am a Hay House author. I am a Hay House author. I am a Hay House author every single day. So then when I got the email, it was like, yes, I am a Hay House author. So that Amazing. was like another, I think about it like as an energetic or confidence springboard. Yeah where it gave me this power to go on and like really take that energy and belief in me and go on to the next step. So I ended up writing the book. I'd been to LA for a vacation like a couple of years before and I knew that I loved it, but it felt very scary to come here. So my friend Natalie and I moved out together and it was another three months commitment. It was like, we'll just go for three months and we'll see if we like it. And that three months has turned into like eight years and I'm still here. And I got the book deal. I wrote the book. I published the book. It came out. It won awards. It helped so many people. I've stayed and loved LA and now I'm writing the next book. I've got like another two book deals with Hay House. So that little girl in the bookstore and being a weirdo Mm -hmm. in the self-help section, like now my books are in the self-help section. And hopefully there's another little girl they get to go to yeah. that section and pick up these books and use the tools to change her life too. Absolutely. And then so did the visa come because 
you obviously are amazing. Is that something that you, because you can't just stay there, can you, as a, an English person past, what, 90 days? Uh, yeah, I think it's 90 days for an Esther. And then I had applied, you have to have like an agent. So you have a agent who represents you and says like, you've got to submit all of your media and you've got to show that you're doing good work. And you've got to continue to do that. So now I literally have a visa portfolio where anytime I do something, it goes into the portfolio. You've got to show them Maybe. all of your yeah. financials, your bank statements. You've got to show why you're like the best in the world at what you do and literally prove it. Evidence, numbers, like showcase things. So it's yeah. just, it's interesting because like you feel like you're continually like, Yesterday I had to do another letter for like a second passport for travel and visas and things. It's not the easiest route that you can take, yeah. but it's something that I know I wanted to do. So to be awarded those visas feels like a real great opportunity yeah. and a confirmation that I'm doing something good. Incredible. And I just want to say something that we haven't covered on this podcast that I do mm. know is that you have ADHD. Is that right? I do. Yeah, I actually do. And I you, found out about that a couple of years ago. I know. Through a brain scan. Is that right? Yeah. So. Oh my God. I, um, How did that happen? Tell me. So I went, oh God, I feel like there's so much that happens in life that I, I literally feel like I've lived a thousand lives, like I say. So I, when Natalie and I had moved to LA and the, all those years ago, we actually lived in a home which we found out had black mold in it. So, okay. yeah, so I'd ended up feeling really um, like I had no energy and I had brain fog and it felt like I couldn't get through the day. And it got to the point where I was like, there's something not right here. And okay. I'd gone for all of these tests and they'd found out that I had heavy metals poisoning. So I'd done a chelation course therapy for five weeks. I'd got the mercury and the lead poisoning out of my body. I think this was in 2019 and I still wasn't feeling better. So then they were like, okay, let's look at your hormones. So then they're like, okay, it's a hormone thing. So we're going to treat for that. And you've got adrenal fatigue. So we're going to treat for that. Still wasn't feeling better. So it was like step by step, we're uncovering yeah. these things and like trying to solve the symptoms and solve the problem and maybe feel a little bit better than I'd feel worse again. So finally, I went to this brain scan and the brain scan showed that I had um, anxiety, PTSD, uh, depression, ADHD, all of these things. So I'm like, whoa, like actually there yeah. is something going on here. So yeah. they especially started... as you're a positive psychologist, it's like you feel, would feel like you have control of your brain and your thoughts, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. Wow. So I was like, there's so much going on here. I need to do something about it. So we started yeah. a treatment program and three months later, I was feeling even worse. So I was like, what is going on here? And I went back to the, I was seeing the doctor consecutively and she said, Nick, like there's only one thing that this could be because you're not getting better, you're getting worse, I think you've got mold poisoning. So we did a mold test, right? The mold test is a urine test. It only costed, cost $200. By this point, I'd spent over $100,000 trying to figure wow. out what was wrong. And it had taken me three years. They, they did this $200 really quick 
two-minute urine test and yeah. they found out that I had six different types of mold in my body. So what? whilst I had this diagnosis of all of these things, the immediate emergency thing to fix was the mold. Yeah. So I went through 10 months of treatment with ozone therapy, daily saunas, 28 different supplements in a day to heal the mold and finally what? got the all clear to say that the mold had gone and I was literally feeling better than ever before. Yeah. So it was it was a real um, lesson in persevering with optimal health and knowing that you don't just have to feel tired. It's not like yeah. you're not getting old. Like I was like, oh, it's yeah. just because I'm in my 30s and tired. I've got brain fog. That's what it's like. It's not normal, okay? That's not normal to feel like that. So... I now feel better than I've ever felt in my life. And because I feel better, it allowed me to go back and look at all of the other things. And actually a lot of those things, like the the depress- depressive like yeah. feeling or what was going on in the activity of my brain was a symptom of the mold. Okay. So the mold was creating this psychology wow. that was showing up on the brain scan, but it then meant that I had space to go back and address the ADHD and so many things made sense. I just thought that I was like a nightmare and I'm like, oh, like I've forgotten this thing or like I've got 10 different ideas at once or um, like how, like like putting patterns together. I was really, really good at it. Like I had like really fast like processing speed and all of these things, but I was like, oh, now it makes sense. Yeah. So I think that there's, there's a lot of power in the clarity of like having the information yeah. so it's helped me be able to understand why sometimes I can have all of the ideas in the world and I can be really productive and then other times I literally open up my laptop and I'm like what was it doing yeah <laughs> yeah so I've like learned to live with you, it and I'm seeing on your social media that I really really <laughs> believe it also as well, it's just almost the way that ADHD is marketed. If you can look at it as a superpower, because the things that you're amazing at are because you've got ADHD, and you would never not want to yeah. have ADHD because you wouldn't be who you are and where you are today. So it's kind of like seeing, it's like, oh, I've got, and when you've got something, it's like seen as a bad thing, but in the right environment, it's a, the biggest blessing, right? That's exactly. Loves it. So, yeah. Nick, you're, yeah. you've created, talk to me about your, your courses, right? Your mission is to empower Power. people, women, to like create online yeah. businesses. Is that right? And like to create that passive income. To create online businesses, to create happiness. And I think that one of the ways that you can create that like unstoppable feeling, the way one of the ways that you can feel empowered, have more joy in your life, have more freedom is through entrepreneurship. Okay. So yeah. I really see business, online business, entrepreneurship as the vehicle for positive change. It gives you so I, much and it's literally like taking a personal development course. Like, <laughs> like yeah. if you knew what goes into running businesses, no one would ever do it because it's like, whoa, you've really yeah. got to grow as a person through the journey. It's impossible not to be a, a bigger person, be a higher version of yourself because you learn so much along the way. So I really have this mission to 
support people and activate through the positive psychology tools, through digital marketing, through teaching people about the psychology of sales so that you can go and have choices in your life that perhaps wouldn't have been available to you if you hadn't have known that those tools exist. Yeah, completely. And you are a real um, believer in in-person events, aren't you? I love them. They're just in-person anything. Anything. Uh, and it's interesting because I have digital businesses and I've had digital businesses for the, more than 13 years now because it allows us the freedom, but it also allows yeah. us more connection. So it opens up the opportunity for you to have more in-person experiences as well. So yeah. I love, like I say, being on stages. We run retreats all around the world. So we did. I really, really want to go. When's your next retreat? Italy next month. Oh Come. my God. <laughs> it, they're oh. so good. They're so special. And it's just like getting like-minded people in a room. There's something yeah. very powerful and magical that happens in yeah. that. And we do them all around the world. We just did Barbados, Los Angeles. We've got Italy. We've got Hawaii. We've got like it all going on. And I really love that because there's nothing quite like being in the energy of each other and yeah. having that connection with something really special that happens. Yeah, totally. And who is the type of like person that would go on that retreat? Are they like female business owners or people wanting to get into business? Who would that be? Men and women. So usually it's business owners or we've got a lot of uh, people that work in corporate, human resources. We've got barristers. We've got like Everyone wow. across the board. It's a yeah. transformational business and mindset experience. Okay. So like you use it for what you want to use it for. We've got a pilot coming next time, which is cool. Oh, Female pilot. So exciting. <laughs> and I hope you don't mind me asking before we kind of, you know, round up our conversation. But what does your personal life look like, Nick? I love it every day. I mean, I, I always joke, I've like created this house in a healing sanctuary. Like I am still obsessed with health. Like I'm still obsessed with the people in my life. Like I've got the most amazing friends that I get to hang out with all around the world. And right. it just feels so special. Like I love doing ice baths. I love going to the sauna, doing cryotherapy. Um, going to dinners here in Beverly Hills, the Beverly Hills Lunch Club that we've got. It just feels like relationships really are the real richness in life. Yeah. And yeah. I think you can get so caught up in this, like, I don't know, this journey of getting somewhere and being successful, but what actually is success if you don't have yeah. people to share it with? Yeah, absolutely. And what's next for you? You know, you're 36 years old. Oh, so, so young. Like, you're so young. Like, what do you envisage for the rest of your life? Yeah, I feel really excited about the books. So I've got yeah. a new Positive Psychology for Suicide Prevention book coming up. Then wow. we're doing Health. a Success in Business book, which I'm really excited for as well. We've got the Positive Psychology Coach Certification Program. So I'm really excited to get that out to more people and get more people qualified and certified as positive psychology coaches. Because we say right. that when somebody experiences positive psychology coaching specifically, there's a ripple effect that happens cool. and that person positively impacts 135 people. So wow. imagine we can like get that out in the world. We can like create this shift yeah. in the way people experience their life every day. 
So that's exciting. Just more stages. More. I know. Just a question. So if someone's listening to this, also a question for me. To do your, to become a positivity coach, do I have to do what you've done? Do I have to go to university and get degrees? Or uh-uh. could I, is it something that I could become a coach in through your course? Yeah, that's why we created it because yeah, it's a long road to be able to yeah. get a master's or a PhD in positive psychology. So yeah. rather than spending five years at university, we created a condensed version which gives you the academic rigor with okay. a whole load of fun and the practical experience of coaching and being coached and putting yourself through the transformation. Yeah. So you learn the tools, you embody them, and then you integrate them into your life and business. And we've got experienced coaches in there. We've got brand new coaches. Like I say, we've got barristers. We've got people from all walks of lives who want to use the tools for themselves, their families, and for their businesses and clients too. It's not about going and learning it and then going, well, I'm going to be a coach. It's almost like using it as a transformational tool for yourself. And then if you want to teach it to people around you, then great. But it's not like a, I get that. And I'm, oh my God, I'm so, I'm sold. That sounds like everything that I've been looking for. I'm like, you know, about to release some courses and I'm all about confidence and the transformation of where I am and where I, you know, I'm going and trying to teach and help people do that. So this seems literally like the perfect thing for me. My final question for you, and this is the question I ask every single person on the podcast is, what advice would you give to a little Nicola Pigeon sat at home, your younger self, what would, if you could whisper one thing in her ear, what would it be? I think the lesson that always comes back to me is patience. Like I had a lot of panic through my journey because I felt like I had to do it as fast as possible otherwise I wouldn't get it and I think that Uh comes from like not growing up with money and it comes from being told money doesn't grow on trees and you can't have what you want in your life like even down to like Christmas board games I was never allowed a cool board game that everyone else had it was like we can have this one over here so as soon as I started to learn that I could get what I wanted I was like I have to go as fast as possible in case it in case I can't do this anymore. So yeah, yeah, and, and no, I it's think like it's going to be taken away from you if you don't mm-hmm. keep going. Yeah, yeah and I totally think through that. that I made it a lot harder and a lot messier than it needed to be because the energy of panic is like I perhaps rushed things or perhaps made mm-hmm. decisions from a short term mindset instead of a long term perspective. Now I'm a little bit older, a little bit more mature. I'm like, cool, we're going to get there anyway. I don't need necessarily get there right now. Like maybe it's in five years. Cool. I'm good with that. I'd rather build something that's like really clean and stable and solid. And like, yeah, other people might be going faster right now, but in the long run, we're going to be able to build stronger and go further because of the patience. Love. Thank you so much. I'm so inspired. And I know that our listeners are literally going to be like, just like buzzing um i'm going to put all of your contact details in our show notes since obviously this is going to be all over social media i am so grateful thank you thank you thank you thank yes. you me for, too actually thank you to emma cooper who actually was like you need to interview nick pigeon she's amazing she's incredible and i was like oh, well, let me take a little look i didn't oh, know emma's amazing and um so thank you thank you thank you to emma and then thank yeah. you nick for you know you're in la i'm here in a we're on totally different time zones We've made it work. 
your interview, your wisdom, your knowledge is just amazing. And thank you for sharing as well some really vulnerable parts of your journey. It's like, you know, so many people would have sat in the fact that, you know, I've been raped, I took an overdose. Like, you know, that is heavy, horrible stuff. But you have just seen it as like, well, this thing happened to me and this is how I changed my life from it. Mm -hmm. And I think because you've been through those experiences, it just makes you even more relatable to, you know, the average Joe, the average person listening to this going, oh my God, she's just like me. But if she can get over those things, then why not me? Um, so 100%. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye, honey.